Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 161 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc. If you haven't signed up for Acoustic Disc's email uh, now you, you're missing out. They've been sending out a free track of the week every week. So go to Acoustic Disc now and uh, sign up for the email list and also keep your eye out. They've been releasing one release a month, including a new podcast as well, The Acoustic Encounters with Danny Barnes and The Dog Himself. Last month was The Dog Works Volume 3. So keep track and you'll know if you sign up for the email, you'll know what's coming via email when they release it immediately. And also brought to you in part by Grace Design, Grace Design preamps. Uh, when you go see some of your favorite acoustic bands live, there's a real good chance you look at that stage and one of those incredible Grace Design preamps are going to be what they're plugging their acoustic instruments into. Industry standard. So go to Grace Design as well. Hope everybody is doing well. Speaking of gigs, I had a wild one last night. Uh, myself and my duo buddy Wit, we were down in Savannah, Georgia. And we played the Fear of the Walking Dead's rap party. And it was awesome. And uh, they still had a few days of filming left. So at one point, uh, they were doing like a giant meal for them and like a big goodbye party so they could say goodbye. But they were still filming, so they had to do it on breaks. And at one point, there was just a bunch of zombies, you know, and not your run-of-the-mill Halloween zombies. These were the Hollywood made-up to uh, scare the heck out of you zombies, and it was awesome. There was one that kept walking by the stage and gnawing at us. <laughs> so uh, never a dull moment in in the mandolin world for me. I love it. So I hope everybody else is doing well. Today is December 2nd. It is the first Friday of the month, which means it's Bandcamp Friday as well. So go out, support your favorite musicians, and now is the best time to do it. With the holidays upon us on Bandcamp Friday, the artists get just a little bit extra money in their pockets, and that goes a long way. So be sure to go to Bandcamp and support your favorite artists. Uh, one of my favorite artists is on the podcast again today. He was on episode 33. It's Andy Leftwich. He's got a brand new album out called The American Fiddler, which is just blowing my mind. It really is incredible. We talk about it, obviously, during this episode. Andy's great. We also talk about a few different things as well. We talk about a violin studies book. I've got a link at Mandolin's Beer and in the description for that book. And I, um, we also talk a little bit about, there's a video where he talks about mic placement on Mandolin when he was recording with Trey Anastasio from Fish. And there's a link there for that as well. So be sure to check that out. I also updated my merch page on the website. There's the brand new mandolin shirts that I had made up for IBMA. They are the Supreme logo. They're available. I've got them in medium large, extra large, and double XL. I'm still waiting on um, more hats yet to come in to get those up there. But the shirts, if you order them, I will get them out ASAP. I'm not sure what the post office situation is looking like as far as getting it to people, but I will get it out in the mail ASAP. So if it's a gift, I hope it will make it there in time. Uh, also, I'm going to be in Michigan again, going to see Bela Fleck and the Punch Brothers in Ann Arbor. So if you're going to be around, let me know. Maybe we can grab beer ahead or after the the show. Uh, that's going to be a great one. Sierra Hall is playing with that, and I saw them when they did it at IBMA, not this past year, but the year before, and it was just incredible. So I'm really excited to round out the year with that live show. All right, let's get to the sponsors here, everybody. Peghead Nation with Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. You got Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning, and Ian Curry. And by the way, Joe K. Walsh has a brand new album. You can reserve it on Bandcamp today. You should go and do that. He's also got a new course coming up on, on Peghead Nation. So Peghead Nation courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks, plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at NorthfieldMandolins.com or download their app at Mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use. The most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. 
Ellis mandolins, more handcrafted goodness, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. Thank you to Ellis mandolins. Buddy Roger Simonoff is still doing his discount program for mandolins and beer listeners. It is good until December 31st, 2022. You go to Straight Up Strings and you use the promo code all caps Mando Beer, all one word at checkout, and you get yourself 10% off. That's off books, that's off strings, that's even off the sets of strings that he has. And they now have strings for banjo, guitar, and resonator so there you go go to straightupstrings.com also be sure to sign up for their email list as well it's always filled with great great information thank you so much to roger and elderly instruments elderly instruments is your trusted source for new used and vintage fretted and stringed instruments for the experienced beginner player their vast selections of mandolins guitars banjos ukuleles and did i say mandolins includes all of the accessories and books to go with them all instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now in their 50th year, their family-owned, operated ship worldwide. You can visit them at any time at elderly.com or give them a call, 517-372-7880. They are great people. Just proud to have all the sponsors that I have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to everybody who listened. Let's get into this interview with Andy Leftwich. Cheers, everybody. All right. Well, man, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. He was originally on episode number 33, Mr. Andy Leftwich. Andy, how's it going? Hey, Daniel. Man, I'm great, brother. How are you? Doing good. You know what? Talking to you this second time, this is what I hoped this podcast would eventually turn into. It would turn into interviewing people whose playing I loved and influenced me and, you know, and hopefully other people and, you know, turning new players onto other people. But then being able to have people back when they have new new releases out and you've got an incredible new release and I'm stoked to talk about it with you. Thank you so much, brother. I'm I'm excited about it, and uh, and yeah, thanks for having me back. I uh, sure appreciate what you do and uh, your podcast. It's just great. And uh, yes, sir. Thank you so much. Well, the American Fiddler is the album. Before we get into that, what else has been going on? You you, you had a pretty busy year. It sounds like. Yes, sir. We we've um, uh, you know we've had probably the busiest year uh, at least uh, over the last four or five years. It's been. Uh, so crazy with um you know shows and uh and ministry and also sessions you know uh, those three things kind of keep me the most uh busiest i guess here in nashville but uh balancing that with uh the importance of finding time at home and with your family and things like that you know it's just it's a constant battle and uh because as a musician uh, especially a freelance musician, you, you don't want to pass up work when it comes in. So you, you, you do everything you can to, to make it happen. And so, yeah, we've, but we've had a great year. Uh, God's been good to me, man. I've, I've, I'm so blessed. And um, uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to some Christmas shows that we're uh, going to start this weekend up in Michigan. And uh, Rachel and I are going to fly out tomorrow. And, uh, and so it's going to be crazy over the next three weeks leading up to Christmas, <laughs> but we're, we're excited about it though. Where, where at in Michigan are you playing? So there's a, uh, a church in Heartland, Michigan, which is just outside Detroit. Uh, we'll be there on uh, this Thursday night. And then Friday night we'll be up in Boynt city, Michigan, which is a beautiful, beautiful little resort town. And, uh, and then Saturday we'll be just outside Indianapolis, um, at uh, Lapel, Indiana, at uh, Bethel Baptist Church, there with those guys. So we're looking forward to that, and um, home for a few days, and then back out again. Man, yeah, this year was a. Uh, I, I think that was a common theme among musicians uh, was that everybody was busier than they've ever been. I think it was a combination of everything from 2020 and 2021, along with yeah. 2022, all crammed, you know, into one year, which made it, I think, crazy for players, festivals, you know, the works. Yeah, totally. I, I, and also, too, I, always, I, I kind of thought, you know, 2020 is going to produce some very creative music and, and new music uh over the next few years and that's exactly what we're seeing you know just uh when, when musicians have time alone man they they you know they tend to create and so uh, i know that was i know that that was the case for me so we um you know i'm excited about what's going on and uh yeah it's been it's been a nice little catch up this yeah. year yeah that's great when did you start the recording of this record 
<laughs> well, uh, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. We, um, you know, it was it was a it was a sequel to to my album Ride that was released in 2003. And uh, you know, I had these are songs that I composed over the last I don't know 12, 15 years. You know, just being on the road with Ricky and and other folks, and um, and I sort of kind of had them on the shelf, you know. But in 2011, we actually went into the studio and cut several of the songs that you hear on the record and um and it just kind of got pushed aside you know you get busy playing other people's records and doing other things and um and i always jokingly say like a like a plumber who won't fix his own pipes you know you you <laughs> sort of take your own music and and it sort of you know takes the back seat sometimes but um but i felt like it was time to uh to refocus my attention on that and uh, and thankfully with the fine folks there at mountain home records we we've partnered up together and they've uh, helped me release this thing and so i'm ex- so so excited to get new music out and um so yeah yeah, what was the uh, what was the first track on this? I know we're going back to 2011, but do you remember the first track for this album that you re- that you came up with? I do, man. So so the track Over Cincinnati is one of them. Uh, the, the song Jackson's Ground is one of them. And uh, let me think. Uh, Pike's Peak Breakdown. That was the other one. So those, th- yeah, those three tunes. Um, now, I, I mean, I did a little bit of changes uh, over the years, you know, or, or you know, last year, year and a half ago. I, I here in my studio, I kind of um, did some editing and kind of uh, rearranged uh, a few things. Um, but yeah, all the picking, you know, it was done back in 2011, and and uh, and thankfully, in the day and age we live in, you know, you don't have to suffer a whole lot of audio quality um i mean everything's so digital and and sounds so clean now that um you know you don't uh, you don't hear that you don't hear that much anymore so we definitely uh, the the rest of the record was was recorded over the summer and um so yeah i mean it's a recent record for sure but yeah we've got some some songs on there that were cut many moons ago yeah i mean it it all sounds like it was done in one session excellent job with the uh mixing and mastering you know you would never thanks, know thanks man yeah, absolutely yeah, thank you where did you cut the um the, the current tracks did you cut them in a uh, studio did you cut them at home yeah we did uh, uh watershed studios here in nashville tennessee owned by my owned by my friend wanda vick and her husband mark birchfield we um we cut those songs back i think in may it was the end of may so it was a pretty quick turnaround and um and i got really brave man i i you know usually in the studio you, know, you try to uh, everybody have their own separate booth and and uh and separate everybody in the studio so that you know if somebody messes up you know you can just go in and pick fix their part and no problem but man i love the sessions i've been on where we're all in the same room you can have headphones. You don't have to have headphones and you just sort of record like a live jam. And that's basically what we did. And it was really fun. Um, there's some moments where the, the tempos might fluctuate just a bit, or you might hear a, a, a flub here and there uh, if you listen real closely. But the main thing that I wanted to get with this record was the overall spirit, energy and feel. Um, and I totally think we, we captured that. And so all I did is I just got home to my studio here at the house and just, you know, piece together some of our best takes of each song and, 
So I'm now a, a third degree black belt in editing. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but um, but it was totally worth it. I love what we captured, and and so everything you hear on the record is totally live, uh, no fixes. I love the fact that you can feel the tempo move in songs. I I didn't notice it, but what I and, and what's probably or the reason why probably is because it feels so natural. Like when you go see a live band, if a song ramps up, there's a good chance the tempo is going to pick up a little bit too. And that just adds, you know, to the feel of a tune. Well, man, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And, and, uh, you know, music should, should always feel good. Um, you know, I think sometimes in, in the studio and especially being a perfectionist that I am, uh, you know, I, it can get a little sterile sometimes. And so, uh, it's nice to break away from that and just, cut live and and not worry about it and so that's what we did you also have some um master pickers on this album oh yeah we um well when it comes to acoustic guitar you know you've got brian sutton and you got cody kilby and um and i mean i'm just uh, i'm just honored that those guys would pick on my record and uh brian was was gracious enough to come and play on on a a few songs um cody is on the is on most of the record and um you know, Cody and I grew up together and, and are very familiar with uh, each other. And and so uh, I always enjoy, you know, playing music with Cody. And so, uh, in fact, one of the songs on the record was sort of inspired, you know, and and, and I, I heard Cody playing that song when I wrote it. And so um, that was Dalvey's Real. And so I appreciate Cody learning that tune. And So we've got Cody and Brian on guitar. Um, we've got Scott Vestal and my friend Matt Menifee on banjo. You may remember Matt from uh, uh, Cadillac Sky. And, uh, you know, Matt's just an incredible melodic player. And, of course, you know Scott Vestal. He's been around for a long time now. And Scott is, man, he's just one of the best players uh, that, that I've ever heard. And um, so appreciate those guys on banjo. And then we've got Mark Schatz on the, on the double bass. And he played some claw hammer on a few tracks and Mark is a legend in the music. So appreciate Mark. And, um, and then, uh, we've got Byron house on the, uh, planes on some tracks and, um, you know, and, uh, Byron's, you know, his, his playing man is just, it's on another planet and what he does and what he brings to the music. is just so great. Um, and then, um, you know, Sierra Holt, uh, join me on mandolin, uh, on, on the song, big Mon and, some mandolin on some of those live cuts so i could have a you know uh, have her chop and and have her feel uh with the music i i, I was on the tracks with uh, sierra on the new bela fleck record and i just remember yeah, just so enjoying the the overall feel playing with sierra and so i was so great so grateful that she came into the studio and played on my songs with me and it just feels great to play with sierra um of course you got ricky skaggs on the mandolin on on the american fiddler uh, title cut and um and then my friend rob ikes on on the dobro and uh he actually recorded a few songs with me but uh only one of them made the record so we've got a couple of them that didn't make the record that are in the can that'll probably go on future projects. But, uh, but after the, after the record was done, I got to thinking like, man, Rob is only on one track. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, but he killed it. He did a great job. He's on over Cincinnati and, um, 
So I need to put more Dobro on my on my next record, I think. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Ought to do another one of those three ring circle albums, man. Those were great. I know it. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you so much. I, yeah, Rob is one of the most musical guys I've ever played music with. I mean, not just great Dobro player, but just a great musical musician, if that makes any sense. And uh, so, sure appreciate Rob. Well, we were texting yesterday, and I'm like, man, I've listened to the album like two times in a row here in in, in my gym today. And uh, you're like, yeah, don't listen to it while yeah. driving. <laughs> Get a speeding ticket. <laughs> you're right, man. Yeah. This album is just like, <laughs> it is <Yeah>. so good. <laughs> I love it's really I, I am blown away by it well praise the lord bro i sure appreciate you. that means a lot coming from you man because i know you're you're a picker and you know your stuff so thank you so much yeah absolutely so on the tracks that you play fiddle on this is the problem with um buying albums like on itunes and such is you, you don't get the liner notes for anything so on the so on the tunes where you're playing fiddle aside from the first track which is which is ricky skaggs is that mm -hmm. sierra on all the other tracks where you play fiddle on uh not all the other tracks um let's see sierra played on the song liberty dalve's real and uh big mon i think she yeah she's on those three songs and so the rest of it i'm playing some mandolin um except for obviously the american filler and uh and our life cut of sally gooden so uh that's ricky there on the mandolin um but but other than those four songs i'm i'm covering the mandolin on the rest of the cd cool yeah dude so so amazing i mean this is just your you're picking i i, I want to ask you about some particular things in a bit but the uh you, you, ju you just mentioned the big man holy moly <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, that uh, that song you and sierra is playing i mean uh, uh, both of your tone is just 100 percent top shelf I did two of my favorite tones and playing styles right now oh, for sure wow Thanks, man. Wow. Well, well, being the geek that I am with uh, with tone and perfection and all that stuff, man, I appreciate you saying that. I, I definitely, you know, I, I've always been my worst critic, and my wife tells me that all the time. But, <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm always trying to sound, you know, sound better. And and uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, Sierra Sierra is such a trooper. We were actually in the studio and. Um, and I, and I got to thinking, you know, with this record, you know, I've got a lot of original songs on this record. It, it would be nice to to have a couple of, of uh, you know, traditional or more familiar tunes on there. And uh, and so I'm thinking, man, I've got one of the greatest mandolin players of our generation in the studio with me. And um, and I was thinking about cutting just a just a jam band, you know, version of Big Mon. Anyway, so I, so I just told Sierra at the end of the day, I said, hey, you want to stick around and, and you know join us on big mon and and she was such a trooper she said absolutely and so we uh, sort of came up with arrangement there on the spot and and uh and just went for it and man we just really love what we came up with the outro as well gets me every time oh yeah <laughs> it's so yeah, cool man. man how long did it take oh, for like coming up with the outro like that and that and you know and, and playing it together was that like right on the spot or is that something you had done before Yeah, I had been doing that outro uh, in my shows uh, for the last, I don't know, year or so and, and uh, you know, kind of come up with that idea um, a while back. And so I showed it to Sierra and she just immediately, you know, came up with a harmony part to it. <laughs> and I was like, man, I would have to sit down for, for days and, and, you know, work that out on the harmony. She does it in like 15 minutes. It's great. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I love harmony mandolin. It is, yeah. um, you don't hear it enough. And I mean, it's just, it sounds like magic when it's, when oh, it's going man. on, man. And, and that one for sure got me to, the first time it went, I had to rewind it like three times. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. It reminds me of a cool jam, you know, you, you know, back in the day growing up and those bluegrass festivals and just, and that's what I wanted. So, yeah, you did it. You did it. Cool, man. Uh, the other one, a couple tunes actually on here uh, really kind of showcases, I think, a little bit of your different influences all into into one track. You know, there's there's a couple songs that kind of maybe start in one genre sort of sound, but then kind of morph into a few different things pretty seamlessly as well. Was that ever an intention or is that just your influences just coming out of your from your brain to your hands? 
Yeah, you know, I think so. I mean, when when I was uh, trying to figure out, you know, a title for this record, uh, in fact, I think the last thing, the last time we, me and you spoke, uh, I think may have been during during 2020, and and I was gearing up for, um, you know, the idea of preparing a project with my friend David Davidson here in Nashville, who's a uh, a violinist, uh, plays the orchestra, and and done a lot of string parts and string arrangements for for big name artists here in Nashville, and. You know, my thought was to to feature American fiddle music with a with an orchestra, and and I still have that project on the shelf. But during COVID, it was just it was such an impact that that thing just sort of got pushed to the side. And uh, but I loved the tune, the theme song I wrote for that for that project, and so I decided to go ahead and and cut it and use it for this record. And so as I'm listening to that and all the other songs combined, I'm thinking, you know, man, this is nothing more than um, my past and my upbringing learning different fiddle tunes and different styles you know coming together and cultivating these um, these instrumentals and um you know i've never considered myself a traditional bluegrass fiddle player and uh and so if somebody were to ask me you know what what kind of what kind of player are you i just really have to say i don't know i'm an american fiddle player that's all i can say <laughs> it's just a combination of, of a bunch of different styles kind of a, a melting pot of of Irish and Scottish and jazz and folk and Americana and just kind of coming together. I mean, I love all, all styles of playing and, um, uh, you know, there's definitely, definitely more and far better traditional bluegrass fiddle players than I could ever be out there. But I definitely love the, uh, the different elements that have filtered into my playing from other styles. And so I, I uh, I don't take that for granted. So, um, so yeah, I thought the American Fiddler was a was a a, a, a fitting you know title for this for this project. traditional fiddle players but there's only one Andy Leftwich out there and, uh, I, I think a lot of those traditional fiddle players would would be happy to be able to play uh, as, as as well as you do on on multiple instruments no less <laughs> oh thanks man well I appreciate that we I definitely uh, definitely envy a lot of those players out there but uh, but I think that's I think that's always a good thing to try to, to always you know uh, get better and and uh, never, never settle as a musician, I guess, you know, just always continue to try to get better. Uh, I've had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, young students and um, younger players, you know, talk, ask me about making a living playing music. And it's like, man, if you, if you play, no matter if it's music or, uh, you know, whatever your passion is, is, is if you follow your passion first, the, the money will follow. I mean, that, that stuff will come secondary. And, uh, and so I'm blessed, uh, to get, you know, I've just always loved, you know, playing music and couldn't wait to, to meet the next musician and learn the, the next big thing. And, um, and so, you know, the Lord will open up your, he'll open up doors for you and, uh, and, and make a way for you. And so, um, you know, it's just being faithful to your passion, I think is, is the key. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, uh, a lot of people will ask, like, you say, you play mandolin for a living, huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you, yeah. you, you got to put things in perspective, too. Like, I've never wanted a Ferrari. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. You know, so that makes it a little <laughs> bit easier. I mean, it all depends, you know, on uh, on on your point of view and, and what you consider to be successful. And I find happiness to be the the biggest key to success and being able to, to make a living is, you know, comes along with that as well. So... Yeah, man. When you go into the studio for sessions, how would you how would you compare it to when you're recording for yourself? Mm, that's a good question, man. I think um, you know, well, when I go into a session for somebody else, knowing first of all that it's an honor that they would call me to come in, uh, I never want to treat it haphazardly or or lightly. I mean, I'm always trying to do my best as as though it was my own project 
Um, you know, I, so, I mean, and there's times you have to sort of, you know, just play something, get it down and then move on. But for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a lot of the same of, because I'm, I'm just, I want it to be the best I can, I can offer and, and bring. Um, now when it's your music and your own, uh, stuff, then, uh, you know, there's a little bit more pressure there because, uh, you know, you, um, you know, you're fronting it, you know, depending on, well, depending on who's paying for it, obviously, but the, uh, you know, the uh, time, cause time is money in the studio, you know, you want to get it done, but, um, but in the same sense, you don't want to, uh, choke the creativity. Um, for me, I do a lot, I mean, a ton of pre-planning, you know, pre-production stuff and before I even step foot in the studio. So I have a really good idea what I'm going after um before we even set step foot in the studio and you know these these cuts on on the american fiddler pretty much everything was was planned out almost to the to the note uh other than telling the soloist what to play you know i mean there were some off-the-cuff moments that did happen but you know when it's your own music i mean there's just so much more pre-production that's involved and um you know, whereas a session, it's a little less pressure because you can, you know, just kind of basically show up and and put down your first impression or your first intake of the song, um, uh, you know, your uh, and just sort of play maybe two or three passes and then go on. And so it's not a uh, the pressure is not as great when it's for other folks. But, yeah, when it's your own music, uh, you know, it's a little bit more pressure for sure. Did you bring your own mics when you recorded your stuff or did you use the studio mics? Yeah, I do. Actually, I have, um, uh, I'm a little bit of a gearhead. I love, I love great sounding mics. In fact, um, I look at microphones as sort of being instruments themselves because especially the old vintage microphones, then not one of them is exactly the same as the other. So, uh, I, I carry with me two. I carry a pair of Neumann U64 Neumann tube mics, and they are uh, really, really nice on the top end of things because with fiddle, you fight that that real shrill sound, that real high, high end and bow noise, and and so with a tube mic, you know, it sort of smooths all that stuff out. And uh, the thing about the the U sixty fours is they bring a nice warmth to them as well. So I bring a pair of those with me everywhere I go, and um, and if the studio has some really great mics, you know, I'll I'll use what they have. And, uh, but yeah, they're, they're like instruments, man. I, I never leave home without them. <laughs> um, do you use the same for mandolin? Yeah, I do. I, it depends. Well, it's, it's a loaded question because it depends on the music. Um, yeah. If I'm doing a solo mandolin piece, I love the sound of the tube mics. Um, sometimes with a full band, um, you know, you've got a, sometimes a, a nice condenser mic might be a, a good call or a ribbon mic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the, the engineer and what they're going for, what color they want. I mean, you really do start to hear colors when you record with different microphones and, um, uh, you know, and I, I could, if, if I let myself, I could spend a ton of money on microphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not tough. That's for sure. Especially those vintage ones. Holy moly. Are those the ones that you, um, there's a video of you and I think you're, it's on YouTube. It's, it's, it's years old now. And we might've talked about this on the first episode, but I still love the video. And I think you're recording with Trey Anastasio, maybe from Fish. Oh yeah. yeah. Are, are those the mics that you're using there? They're real similar. Um, they, yeah, I think if I remember right, those were the, um, the 86s or uh, yeah. And, and those 86, you know, what I use is, is the 64 and, um, the 86 they make an 86 they make a 66 the 66 is the tube version of that microphone the 86 is uh the condenser and cody kilby has one and it's just killer in fact i think i used that one on made in france cut off the record uh, but, but that 80 yeah a pair of 86s are hard to beat man 
Those are great mics. What about, um, let's talk about mandolin gear. Did you use your, your main axe on the whole album? Oh, well, yeah, I did. I, I used um, this 1999 Steve Gilchrist um, tone bar mandolin that I bought from Ricky. Uh, he actually built it for Ricky back in 99, and Ricky recorded that mandolin on the live at Charleston Music City Hall. So that's that mandolin. And um, and so I bought it from Ricky in 2019. And um, But some of the cuts that we cut back all the way back in 2011 are uh, – that was off of the um, – uh the the mandolin that i've got from my friend barry clements down in birmingham alabama and that uh that mandolin's an x-brace mandolin and it's also a steve gilchrist mandolin that you know sort of has a more bass uh tone to it whereas the one i'm playing now has more of a uh, projection a tone bar sort of um maybe a little bit more pointed sound which is uh you know nice because it, it cuts through a lot of other instruments <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sometimes sometimes with an x-brace mandolin you know they sound beautiful when you play them by themselves but you know when you start you know trying to get into a jam session they sort of get lost a little bit but um but i this man this particular mandolin i got from ricky that's by far man it's the best Gil- sound of gilchrist i've ever played and um i love it it's a, it's a tone bar and it just it, it uh yeah it's got the muscle so yeah i mean your your technique doesn't hurt either <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> oh man yeah Thanks. would you say you're playing would you say you you play hard and loud or is would you say you have a softer touch and the mandolin helps you project because you have such clear clean tone and also so quick so fast and it never loses the clarity or or roundness of the of the sound well thank you man i appreciate you saying that i, I do i do try to concentrate a lot on on um, you know each note being heard um it, it's it's definitely you know you you go to these jam sessions where the mandolin players feel like they have to play they have to beat on the mandolin to be heard um and then they and my dad used to call it note jamming uh where they just you know the faster they go the the less you hear the notes and um so uh, I've always been a big stickler on, on clarity and, and cleanliness and trying to get uh, each note to sound um, as loud as the other note. And obviously, you know, guys like Chris Thiele and Sierra and Adam Steffi is a good one, a good example of that, where each note just seems to be perfect and, um, you know, not as loud as the other note or, or muffled or, or jammed together. I mean, so I, I, I do concentrate a lot on trying to keep my downstroke and my upstroke for being the same you know level of volume and intensity i would say that i'm probably a medium i don't i don't play hard but i don't play light either i don't i don't try to you know now when the faster you go the more that pick is going to float in your hand and so you know the 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 biggest thing that's going to kill your speed is when you tense up and try to hold on to the pick like a death grip on a pick and so yeah and so the faster you go the more lighter you need to hold the pick Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's excellent. What kind of picks are you using? Well, I, I do have a, an assortment of blue chips, um, and then I do have a, a couple of tortoise that I love to use in the studio. Um, it's just hard to beat tortoise in the studio, but uh, blue chip, uh, Matt, is just he's got a great thing going on. And, um, and you know, for your listeners, if, if they haven't checked out blue chip picks at Matt Goins' website, I mean, they're incredible. Um, he's got a great assortment of them. I kind of bounce back and forth between – the uh, the CT55, which I believe is Chris's uh, Chris Thiele's pick, and um, but I, it's a little thin for for me, so I got, so I asked Matt to make me a a 60, uh, but the same three corner shape as the CT55. So I, I like the 60 to 65 thickness, um, and then also the uh, the teardrop. Uh, if I'm playing more classical type stuff, then I like the 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 dorito shape the three corner shape um but if it's more traditional bluegrass i might stick toward the teardrop shape um do you use the rounded edge when you use the teardrop shape or do you use the point i i do use the point Mm -hmm. yeah um i've tried to use the rounded edge and it does sound good and uh you can get some really great tone but i find that when i um cross pick or try to do any kind of jumping strings that i can't get the the shoulder of the pick to grab the string well enough. And so, uh, so I, I, I do use the, uh, uh, the, the tip of the uh, teardrop. 
Now, speaking of cross-picking, there is some outrageously good cross-picking on this album, man. And, oh, uh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would wonder if you could maybe talk a little bit how you approach your, your technique and some of the things that maybe you did to help you get to where you are. Well, um, when I was a teenager, uh, I, I discovered this book um, put out by Kruetzer, Um I believe he was a German uh, violinist or, or instructor. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how old it, the, the exercises are, but it's a book of exercises by Kruetzer. And um, I just applied that to the mandolin. I had started working on them on the, on the violin and, and just applied them to the mandolin. And there's a lot of that jumping string type stuff. And so there's a couple of fun exercises that I, that I worked on and, um, you know, that sort of helped me down the road, I guess, with, uh, with different kind of cross picking techniques. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's called, uh, it's put out by Kruetzer. So you can, you can Google that and, and learn a bunch of fun exercises to try. How often would you say you sit down and work on things like that still? I mean, obviously you're super busy. Um, and I, I would imagine a lot of times when you're holding an instrument, you're probably composing and stuff like that. But as far as working on your technique, is that something that you still find that that you work on? Absolutely, yeah. There's um, the older I get, the the more I feel I I learned that if I don't work on it, then I lose it pretty quickly. Um, you know the old saying, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And so, um, you know, when you're younger and you're in your twenties, and you know you can play anything and and you know lay off for a day and pick it right back up and keep going. But as you get a little older, you got to have to sort of you know stay on top of it a little bit more. And so. What I try to do, brother, on my days here at the house is I'll just spend a couple of hours working on that stuff and just try to stay loose. And then on the days that I have a show or if I'm if I'm in session, then I'll I'll find, you know, a little 15 minute increments throughout the day and and and, and try to work on that, you know, keep keep loose. Um, and then also I'll give you a great tip if, uh, if for your listeners, man, if, if you're just now picking up the mandolin uh you know don't don't put it in the case and stick it in the closet you know keep it out you know keep it out at easy reach because what i find is that when you know when rachel is like cooking a meal or something or if i'm you know waiting for her to get ready so we can leave the house you know you, you get these little five minute or ten minute increments throughout the day and it's like man if your instrument's at easy reach you're going to pick it up and start playing it and that does wonders for your playing i'm not kidding i mean it, it really that's a that's a that's a good tip you know don't put it in the case you know keep it out buy a stand and so um and the good thing about a mandolin is it's a small instrument and you can um uh you can keep it on the corner of the couch or something and uh and, and play it um every day so yeah I, my wife always whenever i leave it on the couch like it's gonna get broken and i was doing some recording at alan bybee's and uh, he, I, I get there and his lore's on the couch. So I sent her a picture. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is how you there get you the go. tone. <laughs> yeah, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, on that, I would say if you're going to leave it out, don't leave it near a vent in the winter. <laughs> that was yeah, another, don't do that. Another tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you use a mandola on this album as well. Yeah, man, that uh, that was a fun cut. We did uh, that song, Jackson's Ground. favorite ones on the record and um the the, the mandola i play is a, a made by labetta um i believe it's a czech republic mandolin maker there uh i've had that thing for years uh i bought it i think when i was 18 18 or 19 um and it's just a just a fun instrument i love the sound of it and uh we i wrote that song about uh well, I named it after my my old dog Jackson, who was so sporadic. I mean, that dog was a complete spaz, <laughs> and uh, you couldn't train him. You couldn't. I mean, you couldn't pet him. I mean, he just he was such a spaz. <laughs> and so when I wrote that song and we arranged it, you know, I didn't have a title for it. And so I was like, this song 
it like perfectly describes that dog. <laughs> so, um, so I, I named it after this uh, little area in the yard that he used to, you know, live and play. And, and, uh, so yeah, it's called Jackson's ground. And we use that, that mandola on that cut. Yeah, it sounds great, man. I love a, just a, that throaty mandola sound, man. The minute you hear it, it's just like there's there's not enough mandola recordings, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely use some more for sure. Um, the other thing that you um, – your old videos on YouTube have always blown me away with this, and, and there's a couple spots on this album too, and I would liken it a little bit to like Sam Bush's sort of rhythmic uh, chop. Um, yeah, I, I, I think people listening to this would probably know what I mean, but I would wonder you have a really interesting take on it. I mean, besides the fact that it's fast, you've also got some really wild syncopation. I was wondering how you maybe work on that. Mm. Well, I tell you, Sam Bush was obviously my number one influence when it comes to that. And uh, his song, I, did you ever hear the record Glamour and Grits oh, yeah. that he put out? Oh, that's such a cool record. And uh, the first time I ever heard Stingray, I thought that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And so uh, I go home and I, you know, I'm trying to learn this, this rhythm that he's doing. And My, I, I mean, I, was, I think it was like maybe 12, 13, something like that. And and I'm in the kitchen, you know, trying to learn this thing. And my mom's cooking dinner. And I think she was mashing some potatoes. And so she starts mashing the potatoes to the rhythm of his chop. And <laughs> she finally says, Andy, you're going to have to get out of here. And uh, and so, yeah, I'll never forget that. And, uh, and so then I, I saw Sam in concert, you know, shortly after that. And just was just blown away by the sound that he got and um and his ability to uh to make the instrument uh such a percussive instrument and so um and then when i teamed up with rob and dave for the three circle records it was uh just a great opportunity to to provide um you know that that backbeat and snare and and experiment with different rhythms and uh so yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. So yeah, Sam is definitely the the big influence there. Same thing with like technique with that, just keeping it nice and loose, keep the the pick nice and loose. Any you know any tips for anybody out there trying to get that? that <laughs> yeah, kind of... yeah, the pick should easily you know be pulled out of your hand. Um, you know, I, t I tell students all the time. You know, if you if if I if I have to pull hard on the pick to get it out of your hand, and you're definitely holding it too tight. Um, almost to the point where you're going to drop it. Now there's different techniques that, you know, you, you, you don't, um, you know, may require you to, to hold on to it a little bit tighter, but for the most part, that pick should, should almost float in your hand. That's the best way I know how to describe it. Um, and, uh, and I'll, and I'll say this too about the left hand. I mean, you know, don't underestimate the importance of making sure that your fingers land right behind the fret and, um, and that you're, and that you're pushing, you know, hard enough on the string, but not so hard that you know you're going to cramp. But but if your if your finger is where it needs to be, then then you can just barely hit that string, and it's going to project. So your left hand has a lot to do with the sound that you that you project. And so, you know, make sure your your fingers are are nice and tidy on the left hand, and uh, and it'll make the 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 right hand a little bit easier. I heard a great left hand uh, technique exercise. It was by some shredder guitar player. I still love watching like the shredder guitar player like videos, not necessarily like listening to hours worth of the music, but I love to hear them talk about technique because I think some of it really lends itself to mandolin, like the cross picking and the and the uh, cleanness that you really have to have. And so I'm always, you know, enamored by that. And this guy was talking about before shows, he runs the modes of the major scale, but he never fully frets the notes. He just gets the finger in the area and just presses down just enough so you can kind of vaguely hear the note. 
and oh, then yeah. and it was amazing and you and you do that a few times and you realize wow with just the tiniest bit more pressure you can get yeah. that note to ring right out so you yeah. don't need to and that's for him he's like you know sometimes it gets intense when you're playing fast and so to help him not squeeze the neck like that death grip that's how he warms up i'm like man that's a, a I just went and grabbed my mandolin immediately. Like, I'll be darned, <laughs> man. That's a, that's a great, that's a great, uh, great point. Yeah. Back to the garden. So how did you come up with that song? It's another beauty. Thank you so much. That that song means a lot to me. I um uh, uh well, first of all, I wanted to um have a song on the record that was at least um a slower type song. You know, I mean, the, the record is just jam packed full of uh, fast, you know, high intensity songs, and so it's nice to to have something that's a little bit more subdued. And uh and I and it, and it was a great opportunity to experiment with some uh some orchestral type string arrangement stuff and. Uh, so back to the garden was a song that i wrote uh, actually leading up to rachel and i's wedding uh we were we got married in 2006 and um and being the, the wonderful romantic that i am i thought it would be so cool to write a song for her to walk down the aisle to and um and so i started you know writing this song and uh and I didn't get it done before we got married. So she walked down the aisle to something else. But anyway, the thought it's the thought that counts. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. But I, I love the title, man, back to the garden. And so, you know, I'm sure you know about me, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, my, my, my faith is everything to me and I'm nothing without my faith in Christ. And so the Bible teaches us that, you know, the, the, the wonderful precious promises in the word of God that, you know, as a believer, um, you know, we were, you know, Adam fell in the garden of Eden. He, he, uh, ate the fruit and sinned against the Lord. And so, um, and because of that, you know, um, we, we are all born into sin, you know? And so, um, you know, every one of us are, is a sinner. We're all say, you know, we're only saved by the grace and faith of Jesus Christ. And so, um, and as a believer, you know, the, the, the promises of God is, is that, you know, he, he will, one day restore us back to the garden and uh, into a, a life without sin uh, the way he originally made it. And so um, when I titled that song uh, back to the garden, I got this CD in the mail from a, uh, from a preacher that is now my pastor that, um, that his title to his service was back to the garden. And I thought, man, that is the coolest thing. You know, it was just the Lord just sort of giving me a little bit of um you know, uh, affirmation that that was a great, great title for that song. And, and so even though it was written for my wife, I mean, I, I love the title back to the garden because that, um, uh, you know, as a believer, it's going to, uh, that, uh, that just helps me, helps remind me and, and encourages me. And I hope it encourages anyone out there who, who shares my faith. And, and so, and and also too, man, that the melody it just with it being at three quarter time, it it, uh, it was a great opportunity to present a classical touch to the American fiddler to that whole project. You know, it's not just about bluegrass and picking and all that. It, you know, it's about all sorts of you know elements of fiddling um, that we that that I can that I can bring to the table. So. Yeah, man. So I appreciate you asking about that song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, this album is so good. Uh, you know, I mean, I listened to it again today. That's three times in two days, front to back. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's cool, just man. like, um, yeah. it's just, uh, it's inspiring. It's just all the playing. I mean, it, you just, and between you and then Sierra, I mean, you can't ask for two better uh uh, modern mandolin players and in, in my opinion at all i mean it is and, and like the big mod's a great a great example of that you're just like what <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't. Well, I can't say that we didn't have maybe a couple of cups of coffee before that. <laughs> cut, so, yeah, yeah. That gives me hope. Yeah, yeah man. Yes, sir. I'm glad you didn't say. Well, we just I just rolled out of bed and and we uh, recorded that first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, there might be a couple of cups of Starbucks behind that cut. So. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything out there, mandolin wise, you've been listening to in the past year or so that inspired you? I tell you, a player. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Do you know who Andy Statman is? I'm talking to him tonight <laughs> for the second time. Oh as my well. goodness! Yeah, yeah wow. tell Andy. I said, "Hey, I, I haven't seen him in years, but that guy is one of the most incredible musicians I've ever met." And uh, I mean, he you would not look at Andy's playing as as like uh, like a I don't know like my he's not my style as far as my style of playing. Andy is more. Um, Gosh, how do you describe Andy Statman? Um, I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can. <laughs> but his what he plays on the mandolin is so cool, man. I love what he what he plays, and um, if if I could incorporate that into my style, uh, I certainly would. I I just love Andy, and uh, he's one of the most unique musicians I've ever met. So. Um, yeah. So tell Andy I said, hey. I will. He just put out um, an album with uh, Jake Eddy. Do you know who Jake Eddy is by chance? I don't think so. Oh, wow. Uh, if, if you get a chance on Instagram, uh, he's a flat picker. Uh, I don't know the story. I'm going to find out. But they put a recording out, but it's only available on CD. You can't get it digitally. I got it at IBMA. And, uh, whew. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that kid can pick. <laughs> and yeah, I'm excited to find out the uh, the origins of, of that recording because I think they're going to do another one. What about something whenever you're just looking for mandolin inspiration? Is there an album that you're like, I just I, I know if I listen to this, I will uh, I want to pick up the. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, um, you know, uh, Sam, Sam, Sam's records are, are always uh, a well I drink from from time to time, man. I, you know his his musician musicianship and creativity is uh, second to none, and and I love I love his approach to to playing. Even though I don't necessarily play like Sam a lot, but I definitely love his playing. And um, uh, you know, obviously, you know Chris and and what he's been able to do with the mandolin is just put put the mandolin on the map and uh and it's just it's been a great um uh, a great thing to see see what he's been able to do and i still listen to him and uh the punch brothers music and all that i mean that's just uh, you know so creative to, to listen to that stuff um you know uh there's uh I'm trying to think what else i may have um I'm trying to think of a, a player that you may not have heard of uh well, I tell you what the uh, the mandolin. Uh, when when it comes to learning mandolin, it's great to learn from other players. But even so, taking uh, you know licks from other musicians, not only that are not players, mandolin players, but maybe fiddle players, and applying them to your mandolin. Uh, that's what I've done. I mean, I play the mandolin like I play the fiddle. Um, and so, if you listen to a fiddle player, learn their licks and play it to the mandolin, and so. Uh, I, I think there is a difference between a mandolin player who happens to play fiddle versus a fiddle player like myself who happens to play mandolin. Are there, um, is there a fiddle player that you would recommend somebody? Cause sometimes, you know, listening to some fiddle players, it could be daunting. Like if you're like, yeah, you know what? I've got Vassar Clements recordings here. I'm going to try and that might be a yeah, steep, don't do that. <laughs> might be a steep, <laughs> steep learning curve, yeah. you know, uh, even some oh, Kenny Baker man. stuff might be a little out there, but you know, is there something like a tune that you could think of that you would recommend some people try to steal some fiddle licks from? Oh man. Uh, Bobby Hicks fiddle patch. Take a listen. Yeah, take a listen to that 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 cut, and uh, because what's great about the you know Bobby and what he he brought. I mean, he played a ton of triple stops. You know that learned a lot of that from Dale Potter, and, um, and of course with the mandolin. You know we can cover all four strings, and uh, where you can't necessarily really do that with a fiddle. 
Um, but learning those double stops and applying a lot of that in your playing is really cool. In fact, Sierra does some really cool stuff on America on this project that she did some double stops on the song Liberty. I just thought was so cool. Um, if you check out one of her solos there and, uh, uh so yeah, definitely incorporate some more double stops in your mandolin playing. Well, dude, you've mentioned twice in this, in this episode about, um, you know, the influences that, you know, like Sam that and, and Statman that you don't necessarily wouldn't say the same style, but you've incorporated parts of that. And that's what I love about your playing, Andy. I, I'm always excited to hear your stuff. Um, it, it's, it's just great and refreshing and, and it's cool to hear all these styles become someone else. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this instrument, you know, like, and, yeah. um, and you're playing in this album. And so I want to congratulate you on a great album and encourage everyone to go out and buy this album. What's the best place for people to go out and get this? Well, thank you so much for saying all that, brother. I sure appreciate that. Um, you know, folks can go to my website, andylethwitch.com and, uh, and order it there, uh, or stream it, download it on all the, on the platforms. Uh, they can also go to mountainhomemusic.com or I'm sorry, mountainhomerecords.com. Um, and they can buy it there. So it's, it's definitely available. Well, man, Andy, thank you for doing this, dude. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy. So the fact you took the time to do this really means the world oh, to me, you. man. And, and you have a, uh, a Merry Christmas and, and all that great stuff. And thank you for doing the podcast. Well, Daniel, you're the man, brother. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, wish you, wish you all the best and you as well. Merry Christmas. All right, there you have it, Andy Leftwich. Go out and buy that album. I've actually listened to it two more times since we've done this interview. Again, I've got the links to the book that he talks about and the YouTube video where he talks about miking the mandolin when he's playing with Trey Anastasio. Have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers, everybody.